it's just like that as we proceed. And we out here. Luxurious lemon shallows will be vouch here. Tahiti violin vibrations, no doubt here. Celebrations and salutations, and we out here. It's just like that as we proceed. Introducing Cadillac of flow and tree finesse. Slalom slopes down the wavy west coast. Making toast and a special dedication. Up another level, levitation. It's yoga, heavy metal, meditation. Slowing only upwards, only tenderonies when homies open up the cupboards. Triple kiss, fam, subtle signal, Prosecco in the pail. Getting carried in all white linen suits. Still y'all pale in comparison. Y'all stale in comparison. Embarrassing to swap. See them set off in St. Lucia and then sailing to Paris. And they fake heat, flaky, pastry, pasty. Rug on my back, laying flat, getting rinky. Cake pasta, steak lobster, and talking Gaza Strip. Politics applause at the plaza, playing all the Speaking in Yoruba with a mademoiselle, mad student moonlighting with Maybelline, the moon and we out here. Luxurious lemon channels, what we vouch here. Tahiti violin vibrations, no doubt here. Celebrations and salutations, and we out here. And we out here. Luxurious lemon channels, what we vouch here. Tahiti violin vibrations, no doubt here. Celebrations and salutations, and we out here. Sammy Davis played, Sammy Davis playing, Sammy Glaze, sunset sky from the brownstone town home, silk silhouette on the strip, shoot a smirk from the shadow, Maitre D, take a seat, as we travel towards a make-believe, make-believe, Lake Louise, chalet, hit the ski, valet, take the key, shoot cinematic, as we sipping limoncello, Felicia Green and she be sipping limoncello, Juan LeBon got the gritty shack shaking up, Five-figure thread count on a baby crib. The music business class can take in crystal glass pearls in a blazer tennis racket and a pistol stash overnight. Flight back to Addis, Shaddis, me, it's us, and we stay elegant as home. And we out here, luxurious lemon channels, what we vouch here. Tahiti violin vibrations, no doubt here. Celebrations and salutations, and we out here. Tahiti violin vibrations, no doubt cheer. The flavor suitably sauteed until we out cheer. It's just like that as we Listening to The Real World on CITR 101.9 FM. You just heard Lemon Cello featuring Shad by Scratch Bastide um, out of Toronto. Really fun, really light um, hip hop for you early in the morning. So, The Real World with Dama and Dora, although Dama is not here right now, she is in Mexico City. Um, well, we are stuck in Vancouver, which is cool. It's lovely here, so we don't really care that much. Um, but The Real World is the UVT Film Society's radio show where we connect with campus clubs and organizations through film and kind of try to talk about stuff like that. So, yep, this week is a fun week. It's reading week, so this is not actually live. <laughs> I am recording this in a studio ready for consumption by the general loving listening public. I would like to acknowledge that um, this station is located on unceded Musqueam and Coast Salish territories. Um, also, this is being recorded on the National Day of Action on the Overdose Crisis, um, Tuesday, February 21st. Really important cause, <laughs> just so l- the listeners know. Um, so there are a couple reasons why this episode is fun and funky and the best. <laughs> Um, is we're going to be playing, or later we're going to be playing an interview with Barbara Torino, um, who curated the um, Black History Month series at VIF, as she's been doing for the past five years. Really amazing, talented, wonderful woman in the world. Um, and then 
also, I'm going to be providing my Oscar predictions, which are happening this Sunday um, on a channel. Not really sure which one it is, but one of the big ones, one of the three-letter ones. Um, and also some chill tunes. So it's going to be action-packed, um, kind of just me alone being sad that Dom is not here. <laughs> and what do you know, you guys get to experience my wallowing as a community. So I'm going to play um, another song. This is Say Dat um, by Angela Nasheed off her album. It started off blue, um, a Montreal artist um, coming at you now. So enjoy that. Discorder Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, Discorder lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. Now, when you were starting out as a writer, you were black, impoverished, homosexual. You must have said to yourself, gee, how disadvantaged can I get? Well, no, I thought I hit the jackpot. Oh, great. (laughs) 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 It was so outrageous, you could not go any further, you know. So you had to find a way to use it. Curated by Barbara Chirinos in partnership with Viff Van City Theatre, the annual Black History Month film series shines a spotlight on African North American film and history. This year's program encompasses music, political protest, spiritual, emotional, enterprise, and endeavor. The centerpiece of Black History Month at Van City Theater is the exclusive Vancouver premiere of the Academy Award-nominated documentary, I Am Not Your Negro, screening from February 24th. Other highlights include Julie Dash's seminal Daughters of the Dust, the music films Molly Blues and Sign of the Times, and a new Canadian documentary about the untold history of black hockey players, Soul on Ice.
Welcome back to The Real World on CITR 101.9 FM. You just heard Say Dat off of Angela Nasheed's album, It Started Off Blue. Um, just me today, no Dama. Um, sorry, dedicated listeners. I know that's a disappointment, but it is our reality, so we have to move on. Um, very special episode planned for you guys today. Um, going to be sh- playing an interview with Barbara Chirinos. Um, in just a little bit, um, but not before I give you my super fun, super valid, super well-researched and comprehensive um, Oscar noms, um, or my take on who's going to win. My Oscar predictions, I guess, is um, a much better way to phrase that. So I'm really bad at Oscar predictions because I always just want to say what I think should win um, when... My taste is obviously not um, the standard to which the Academy kind of judges movies. There's also, like, Hollywood politics or whatever. Who cares? Um, my predictions are more just who I want to win. Um, just a disclaimer. I'm only going to do the big categories because um, <laughs> I don't hit you and I don't hit myself. So we can just move on from there. Um, so right out the gate, I'm going to start with Best Picture. I think Moonlight should win. I think La La Land will win, but I think Moonlight should win. Um, I think Denzel Washington is going to win Best Actor. Mm, actually, you know what? No. I think Ryan Gosling is going to win Best Actor. Um, no, no, no. Keeping in line with my... This is a mix of... You know what? Okay. Mix of um, personal opinion and uh, who I think should win. <laughs> um, so, actress in the leading role. I want uh, Ruth Nega to win. Um, she was in Loving. She was amazing. But I think Emma Stone is going to win. But you never know. Um, actor in supporting role, I think um, Mahir Shala Ali is going to win. Uh, duh. <laughs> um, actress in a supporting role. Honestly, I'm going to say Naomi Harris. She was amazing. She was really, really amazing. Um, best animated film, Zootopia. You know what? Honestly, either Zootopia or Moana, they were, Disney was a little ambitious this year. Two kids' movies. Come on. Who are you kidding? Um, but probably Zootopia. Then directing. I think that Barry Jenkins for Moonlight should win. Okay, my friend made a really good point. I think they're going to have Moonlight win Best Director and have La La Land win Best Picture. Which makes me sad, but whatever. I mean, I'll take it. Um, and I think those are all the big ones, um, or those are all the ones that I want to give my opinion on, I guess. So yeah, that's all I guess I really have to say. Um, just a recap. I'll do who I want to win and who I think will win. Um, that I think that's like a pretty fair combo. So I want Moonlight to win. I think that La La Land's going to win. I want Denzel Washington to win. I think Ryan Gosling's going to win. I want Ruth Nega to win. I think Emma Stone is going to win. I want Mahir Shala to win. Or Mahir Shala Ali to win. I think he's going to win as well. Um, I think that Naomi Harris should win. But I think Viola Davis is going to win. And then I think it's either, you know what, Disney's going to win for Best Animated. And then I think that Moonlight should win. And I think there's a good chance that it will win. Um, or, you know what? They could go crazy. <laughs> um, give it to Mel Gibson. Let him take home that prize. That little glittery crown. Stone in his crown. Um, fun, perfect tie, I think, <laughs> is um, I Am Not Your Negro is nominated for Best Documentary Feature. And um, it's also featured in this month's Black History Month series at... VIF this year. Um, I got the amazing opportunity to speak with Barbara Chirinos, um, who curates it. Um, really freaking amazing, beautiful, talented 
woman in the world. Um, she started the series five years ago after coming to Vancouver from New York City and realizing that there's no <laughs> like celebration of Black History Month culturally or like cinem- cinematically in the city. So she worked with Vif um, to kind of set this up and she's been doing it for five years and it's kind of expanded since. Really awesome lineup. Um, I Am Not Your Negro, which is Academy Award nominated. Um, Daughters of the Dust, Maui Blues, Sign of the Times, Soul on Ice. We've had some of these tickets on raffle on our show in the past. So really, really excited about the series and the lineup and everything that's going on. It really showcases, um, well, it's the, this year's program, I'm quoting, um, encompasses music, political protest, spiritual, emotional, and physical enterprise and endeavor. So really important um, to keep in mind during Black History Month and during literally every month, especially, I would say, in light of the recent election, which is cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to play that right now. Um, this is Dora on The Real World on CITR 101.9 FM. Um, hey, this is Barbara Chirinos, executive director of the Granville Island Cultural Society, and we're testing sound levels and everything else right now. That is perfect. Okay. Um, cool. So I guess we'll just get started. First question that I have is, um, you started this festival five years ago after moving from New York City. Can you speak a little bit on your journey in establishing the whole project? Um, yes. Actually, I've been in Vancouver for, it's getting ready to be 15 years now, <laughs> believe it or not. And um, while I've been here, I've been working quite a bit in arts and culture, I've been the managing director of the Folk Music Festival for a few years. I um, also programmed events for the um, Golden Ears Bridge. I actually programmed all of the entertainment for the opening of that bridge. I also, oh my gosh, I've done quite a bit, managed theaters for the Vancouver International Film Festival and was one of the, um, was actually a founding um, managing director, organizer for the Home Ground Festival on the downtown east side. So um, I've done a lot of things in between that as well. And while I was working for the Vancouver International Film Festival and the Van City Theater, I um, had a wonderful relationship with them. And while I was there, I noticed that there was no Black History Month film series. And I essentially said to the artistic director at the time, who was Alan Praney, that we needed to have a Black History, Month, Black History Month film festival. And he said, sure, sounds good to me. Go right ahead and go ahead and do it. So with my background in festivals, as well as being a filmmaker for over 10 years when I lived in New York and then moving here, along with some of the resources and connections that I had, um, I, the festival was started, and I actually started programming with a partner who is the programmer for the Van City Theater all year round, um, Tom Charity. We started putting together films that we thought would be appropriate for the film series, and it's been in working order and gaining audiences um, ever since we started five years ago. Awesome. What are some criteria that you have when curating the films? You know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, um, We look for films that are classic or will be classic, films that are iconic, films that are exceptional. And one thing for me particularly that I look for, we definitely look for films that speak to the moment because it makes it more realistic for anyone that wants to attend the festival Um, Essentially, that's what art is supposed to do anyway. But um, I also look for strong Canadian content because of the ready um, availability of films with people from the African diaspora coming out of Africa or coming out of Europe or coming out of the United States where people have an opportunity to see these films on cable or television or they can rent them or they come into the theaters um, typically, or they may have short runs. So we look for films that people possibly will not have an opportunity to see, but we also look for strong Canadian content because we live in Canada, and there are not a lot of um, 
films regarding Black History Month with strong Canadian content, but the number is growing, which is a wonderful thing. So um, specifically this year, we're bringing the film Soul on Ice, which is made by a black Canadian originally from Toronto, but he lives in Edmonton now. And because of his love of the sport of hockey, he um, put together a film that looks at the acknowledgments and contributions that have been made by black professional hockey players, but we also follow a couple of really young people who love the sport. Um, And if you're Canadian, you love hockey. (laughs) You just do. So it is a really strong film that is wonderfully being sponsored by the Vancouver Canucks as well as the NHL because they, um, they really support the film because of the strong Canadian content and because of the, the love of hockey that is just told in this wonderful story. And it's a free screening. I saw that. I'm, v- I'm very excited. I'll definitely be there. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, so was there a theme shaping your creation or that you usually take into account when curating the festival? Um, or is it kind of a free-for-all of celebrating black content in Canada? Um, you know, it is a combination of things. Lots of times, I am also on the, um, I'm on a, well, it's not a board, but it is a committee of a number of um, African Canadians, as well as I'm an African American, but uh, people that live here in Vancouver that um, work with the city of Vancouver to um, proclaim February as Black History Month. Um, and we've been doing that as well for six years together as a committee. And typically there is a theme, and I try to use the theme that's part of Proclamation Day as, um, as, a, way to, as a way to set off what the theme is going to be for the films that we're going to show. Sometimes that works out, depending on the availability of the films. This year, not necessarily because this year... For the city of Vancouver, um, youth and the acknowledgments and contributions that youth have made when it comes to Black History Month was the theme. Um, And I wasn't able to get a lot of films in that category. So considering what's happening all over the world as a result of the um, election in the United States, I decided that the theme was going to be persistence. And each of these films um, really focuses on persistence. And I say persistence pretty much based on um, the Senator Elizabeth Warren um, out of Massachusetts and her persistence to constantly um, address and to face and to challenge what is happening with the present government in the United States. So persistence is definitely the theme. We look at the first film that was shown, which was Daughters of the Dust, that was written, directed, and produced by an African-American woman by the name of Julie Dash. Her iconic film, Daughters of the Dust, was the first film that was produced and written and directed by an African-American woman that was um, released theatrically in North America and then various parts of the world. So her persistence to be a filmmaker and to get that film out, a feature-length film, is a monumental feat. So she's the first example of persistence, along with the others, such as the film Birth of a Nation um, by Nate Parker, also a film about persistence, particularly um, the, um, the story itself in terms of rebellion. Also, I Am Not Your Negro by James Baldwin, also a film about persistence. So all of the films do address themselves to the area of persistence. Um, How has the recent election changed the need for um, black celebratory festivals, even within Canada and especially within the States? I think what it does is, in a good way, um, people are more vocal People are more, um, they're, they're, there's more exposure as a result of resistance. People are also using this to remind the world that people from African des- descent 
have been making contributions and have been celebrating the contributions that they've made um, for years. But it is now a way to make sure that those contributions are forefront, that people know that these contributions have been made, and that the contributions are not just for black people. I mean, it's very, very important for that to be known, but it's because black people are citizens of the world and the contributions that are made in all sorts of industries, as well as arts and culture, is a, is a benefit for us all as being citizens of the planet. But unfortunately, the contributions that have been made by African Americans and African Canadians or those from Canadian, I'm sorry, from African descent, are not as readily recognized, so they're not as readily celebrated as contributions that we hear about from other community groups. So I think, going back to your question, what it does is it makes people more vigilant in terms of making sure that the contributions are recognized and acknowledged. So um, I think that there are quite a number more Black History Month events that are going on around um, North America, but a lot more in the Vancouver area. There's, there are Black History Month events that are going on in Richmond, in New West, um, in Surrey, as well as Vancouver and other parts of the GVRD. How has... Um how, why is it important for the celebration of black culture and history to take place specifically in Vancouver? Well, because a number of black people, including myself, um, we're always kind of looked at as the other, um, doubtless of the um, contributions that we've made. And I'm not saying that everybody does not recognize us, but there's a number of people that don't. And, you know, to be honest, we don't really have big numbers here. So it is important that for any community, and not specifically Vancouver, but here in Vancouver, doubtless of who you are, if there are contributions that you're being made, that are being made, and you live in a city and it's a significant contribution, it should be recognized. Just as contributions and um, yeah, just as any other contributions from any community should be recognized. So it's important in Vancouver, but it's important everywhere. Totally. Um, what did you expect from the festival when you started it up? Um, or like, what? Were, how are you hoping it would grow when you have when you started the project? Well, because I was an independent film producer when I was back in New York for over 10 years, I had an opportunity to do a lot of traveling, going to film festivals in Paris and Brazil and London and very various parts of the United States, Los Angeles, um, Miami, um, Charleston, and in all of those cities. I mean, I wasn't only invited for Black History Month festivals, I was invited as an independent producer for films because of the films that the company I was running with my business partner called Red Carnelian Films, the films that we had created were being invited all over the world. And what I would notice in a number of these cities and got a chance to meet a number of people is that there were specific films that did celebrate Black History Month and then I moved here to Vancouver, and I noticed that a film series that did that, that celebrated um, black films as well as acknowledgments, was not here, although the black population was growing and continues to grow. And a number of people from the black community, it was a discussion that we would have, but the discussions that I would hear is, oh, somebody should put on a film series. Oh, why isn't there a film series? And that's why I just decided, considering the number of festivals that I had been to, considering the number of festivals that I either helped to create here or helped to organize or helped to manage the logistics of, um, as well as um, being a significant staff member as part of the Vancouver International Film Festival, a number of resources just brought themselves together where it seemed to be the appropriate time. 
So what I was hoping was to put together a film series that helped to celebrate stories that have come out of the black community, out of the African community, um, stories that reminded and acknowledged and celebrated stories that either we grew up with or stories that were being told currently that should be acknowledged and should be, um, as I mentioned, should be celebrated. So I thought all of those resources coming together just seemed to be the perfect time. And what I was hoping is, I was hoping, and it is happening, that the black community would come out and see these um, films, and it would be a wonderful way to meet up, speak with people, and see stories with people that look like you, um, which is wonderful. But it's also a way for our neighbors to learn more about us. Um, that's what film festivals do. It, it provides discourse. It provides discussion, it provides insight, and um, it provides historical content as well as fictional content that provide people a platform so that they can come together, get to know each other, or just talk. And that's exactly what this film series is doing. And exceptionally well. I love well, all thank you. Oh, no worries. Um how would you like or expect the festival to expand? Or are you kind of happy with the size that it is? Well, you know, um, how I'd like it to expand, it has expanded a little bit because the festival did originally start um, at the Van City Theater. And we typically would program films based on the availability of the theater on Monday nights. Those were nights that always seemed to be free. So that worked out. But then the audiences started growing, as well as the number of films that were making themselves available to us from all over the world, actually. So I was able to last year have the film series grow just a little by bringing, the, bringing um, a couple of screenings to Granville Island. So I used to be on the staff of uh, the Van City Theater and the Vancouver International Film Festival, and now I'm the executive director of the Granville Island Cultural Society. So we managed three theaters, and we had an opportunity last year to bring screenings to Granville Island. And so we brought two um, films. They were both free, and both of the screenings were really, really successful. One in particular was an event that I put together with Vanessa Richards, a wonderful cultural icon here in Vancouver. And the name of the event was Afro Hair Savoir Faire. Um, and that came about because just like most black women here in Vancouver, when I moved here, I was really shocked in terms of the limited availability for an esthetician to do my hair. Um, uh, and black women wear their hair in so many different ways, between straightening, locks, natural. Um, if you want to get a blowout, you've got to go one place. If you need to get your locks twisted, you have to possibly go someplace else. And the resources were so far and few in between. And Vanessa and I thought that it would be great to essentially come up with an event that celebrated black hair, brought together estheticians that specialize in black hair, and hopefully that event would help to expand resources for people, for black people that live here, because the two estheticians that I started using when I first moved here were fantastic and wonderful, but they retired and moved away, which meant I had to find somebody else to do my hair and it's like well how do you do that other than talking to people or going online and some of the resources were just really too far away from me so we brought together afro hair savoir faire and it's going to happen again this year february 19th at the waterfront theater where we'll see a film that was made in brooklyn the name of the film is in our heads about our hair um, and it talks about all the different ways that black women celebrate, style um, their hair. 
and whether it's natural or whether it's straight, and to find out what's happening currently. And after that, as we did last year, we open up the floor to questions from people in the audience about resources, or there's one particular poignant story of a biracial family that came. Uh, the, uh, the father stood up in a room with a majority of black people in it and asked how does he comb his daughter's hair without hurting her, and how does he provide options and resources for her um, so that he's not hurting her when he combs her hair. And all of the hands that went up in the audience to provide this family with resources and with comfort to say, you know what, it's okay, we, we've got you, we've got all kinds of um, solutions for you, and it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. So there were biracial families that were there, and there were also Caucasian families that have black children that were also there with the same question. And then we had the estheticians who are experts. Um, that are joining us again this year that also answer the question from a professional point of view versus anecdotal stories. And after the Q&A, we then have um, a section where we then have demonstrations in terms of what's being done with hair currently in the GVRD from these estheticians. So there's um, ice-cold cuts barbershop. They're coming from Commercial Drive. We have Junior's Barbershop that's coming from um, he's over on Davy Street. And then we have a couple of independent um, estheticians that are coming in as well that will teach you how to blow out your hair or whatever needs to be done. So that's also a fun part because people get a chance to walk around they talk to the esthetician, they get to see how things are being done, and hopefully it broadens their resource base when it's time to get their hair did, as I say. It's very thorough. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> we try. <laughs> that must be so, so informative just for anyone there. Well, it's informative, but it's also fun. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's lots of fun because, Many of um, many of the Vancouver um, the Vancouverites who are born here have lived here, believe it or not, for a few generations, and there are a number of them have learned what the resources are, or they learn how to do their hair on their own. But for those who come from points east and points south. Um, points east for me, because I'm originally from New York City, when I moved here, it was really a daunting task, especially from the fact that I came from a place where to get your hair done, you know, if I either fell out with my hairdresser or if I wanted to do something new, finding um, an esthetician was no big deal. It was, you know, there was somebody either across the street or around the corner, or I had friends that could essentially refer me someplace. But when I moved here to find them, as I had mentioned before, was really, really difficult. And I knew that I could not have been the only person that was in that position. Um, and that was confirmed when um, it was Vanessa Richards who actually came up with the idea, and then we put the whole thing together. And by the number of people that showed up, just to even talk and hear what other people say, as well as seeing the films, it was a great community gathering moment, but it's also one that's very inclusive. And I and I have to say that all of the film series is Black History Month are also very, very inclusive. If you get a chance to come to any of the remaining films, you'll see that the audience is very, very mixed, which is wonderful for me. Um, do you have any films that you were especially excited about in this year's lineup? Oh, my gosh. I, I can't. I, they're all I'm excited about, all of them, and, and we're midway through. But um, what is remaining is definitely um, tonight, um, which is uh, February 13th. We're showing Mali Blues, which is a film out of Africa, essentially out of Mali. And it talks about Mali being one of the birthplace of, of the blues itself. But it also takes a look at four musicians 
who live in Mali that now are trying to create music while Sharia law and fundamental fundamentalist Islamic um, rules are now being put into place, which, of course, discourages dancing as well as music. So we're looking at how they can continue to create music while these um, issues are those that they have to face. So that's tonight at um, 7 o'clock at the Van City Theater, but also the film Loving, which is a not a fictionalized account, but it is um, an account of the film of a story of a an interracial couple that got together in the 50s. Their last name was Loving, and unfortunately at that time in Virginia, being an interracial couple was illegal. So it deals with their personal as well as legal battles that they had to fight just so that they could be together. And that's on February 20th. And it is a beautiful, beautiful story. It also is has received an Oscar nomination for the actress who plays Mildred Loving. Her name is Ruth Nega. And um, it is one of two of the films that have Oscar nods this year that's part of the film series. It's the first time we've actually had films that have Oscar noms that are actually going to be shown at this year's Oscars. Wow. And that same night, yeah, it's really we're really amazed about, we're really happy. Um, <laughs> also, um, the film um, Birth of a Nation, which of course has its controversy, um, but um, we're really excited to bring that because the last time it came to Vancouver, it was part of the Vancouver International Film Festival, but that was the last time anyone in Vancouver had the opportunity to see the film on the large screen. And I thought it was important to bring the film back because it is essentially about the uprisings um, that took place um, back, of course, during the times of slavery, but told through, uh, told through a person of color, told by a black man. So that is really, really import important in terms of the perspective. And, of course, we're really excited about I Am Not Your Negro, the film by written by James Baldwin, but directed and assembled by the absolutely fantastic filmmaker Raoul Peck. So that's going to be amazing, uh, as well as Soul on Ice, which is coming up on um, February 27th. So I'm excited about all of the films that are remaining in the series to be screened. Um, are there any films that you weren't able to fit into the lineup this year that you wish that you had been able to? Yeah, the film about Shirley Chisholm, um, Unbossed. I really wanted to put that film in. And Shirley Chisholm was essentially the first woman to seriously run a presidential campaign for the United States. She ran as a candidate for the President of the United States back in the 70s. She was a, um, a member of Congress back at the time, and I am fortunate enough to have met her when I was a child because she was my congressperson. And it was an amazing time, and she was an amazing politician and woman. And I really wanted to bring that film in, but unfortunately... We just didn't have enough space to bring that film in. And I thought perhaps, even though I think it's a really important story, I think that people were possibly a little burnt out with um, politics, considering yeah. what's happening every, every few minutes. There's a tweet with something <laughs> coming out of the state. So although I think it's an important film and a really well-done film, um, I may have to bring it back at another time. And also looking at bringing in more African films as well as animation. Because there are some beautiful, absolutely stunning animated features that are coming out of France as well as coming out of Africa and coming out of Nigeria that are specifically stories um, told from a perspective of a black person. Um, and we don't see many stories, many animated stories that um, are done by people from African descent. So, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to put those in, but hopefully for family day next year, I'll be able to do so. 
Um, just one final question. It's a little more general um, than the festival itself, but so Oscars So White has been a kind of an issue that's popped up, especially last year. It was really big. Um, and this year there are a lot more um, just like black actors and actresses being recognized by the Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just speak a little bit on that as a filmmaker and as um, a black woman who is so involved in the film industry? You, do you mean speak to the reversal from last year or to speak to Oscar So White? Literally anything. I would just love to hear your thoughts. Well, Oscar So White really starts from even before the Oscars. The, the fact that there are many stories that are about women, stories that are about black women, black people, stories about Asian women, stories other than white that are being told or have the have the potential of being told that just were not being done. So the Oscars being so white last year was going to happen because stories with people of color or stories um, that are about women really, were not being done. And a lot of them were not being done because the studio system, for the most part, looks at films, and this is just my opinion, looks at films in terms of how they're going to be distributed and whether or not tickets are going to be sold. And for the most part, it's easier to go back to the formula or to go back to films or the type of films that they know sell so it's easier to go ahead and pick those because, you know, um, oh, gosh, um, Friday the 13th, 206 um, is easier to do because they know that Friday the 13th, number 205, still sold tickets. So they'd rather green light that and then be able to sell distribution after the tickets are sold um, through videos and it's easier to go with things that are going to be sold that are have already sold so that is what has been the trend in terms of Oscar so white or Oscar so male as I'd like to say because there are plenty of fantastic stories of people of color and women Um, And I don't want to leave out, of course, our transgenders, brothers and sisters, because there are fantastic stories out there as well um, that have not been told. So as a result of the backlash, it is fantastic that there are more stories that are being told from a different perspective. And using the film Hidden Figures is a perfect example. It is a perfect example because it is blowing up box office numbers all over the world because of the exceptional story, but it also proves you can put out a story that has to do with black women and people are going to buy tickets because it's about the story. It is always about the story. And it proves that there is a market that is out there where people are going to buy tickets. So that is what is important about Hidden Figures. And it is wonderful that the the backlash was created. So now there are um, more stories with people from people from different perspectives from what we're always used to seeing. And this trend must continue. It actually should get bigger because just because you create stories from a different perspective doesn't mean you you should stop making your Sharknado. It doesn't mean you should stop making your um, the next version of King Kong or the next version of Tarzan. It doesn't mean you should stop that. It means you should continue to do stories from there as well as from the perspective that has not been discovered or has yet to be discovered fully. And it's just going to make it better for everybody. More tickets are going to be sold. More stories are going to be told. I'd love to see a story from the perspective of a woman who is in her 60s and what her story has been and what her story is about. The, the woman could be a, a woman of color. I'd love to see stories, um, more stories from our, our indigenous um, community because there are wonderful stories that are there as well. We have been so underrepresented 
when it comes to stories that reflect the country, countries that we live in. And that's what we need. It makes us all better people, I think. I totally agree. That was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank Um, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Is there anything that you feel like you wanted to touch on a little bit that we didn't get to talk about as much? I really just want people to come and take a look. Um, The James Baldwin piece is absolutely masterful. Um, It is something that you will read, I mean, not read, you will see, and if you dis- if you knew who James Baldwin was before and possibly had forgotten him, this will re- reawaken um, your love and appreciation of this man's work. And that's exactly what this film is doing. He is able to take all of everything that's going on in the planet and with laser precision structure it so that we can understand our place on the planet and what we can do to help change it. So that is really, really an important film. I really hope that people purchase tickets for that, but I do want them to come and see the other films as well because you may not get a chance to see them again in a collective um, setting, and that's the great thing about going to the theater, appreciating and sharing and experiencing stories in a group of people that you possibly may not know and have the opportunity to have a conversation with them afterwards just to learn. So um, come and see all the films. And if I have to, I would love to say again, the Afro Hair Savoir Fair is a free event. All you've got to do is come to the GICulturalSociety.org's website to get to Afro Hair Savoir Fair. So you can RSVP for your free ticket. Um, Also, Soul on Ice, also a free event. So you can bring the family and come and see hockey at its best um, and get to discover the black players that have been playing in the NHL since the 1960s. And you will be amazed at um, the art. Um, the art of of hockey, a true, true Canadian story. I'm so excited. I will definitely be there. I hope so. you got to make your reservations, um, and you can do that online also at ziff.org. So cool. please do. Cool. Thank you so much. Okay, Dora. Thank you. Um, Have a great day. Oh, you too. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Ever had a hankering to ski the world-famous slopes of Whistler? Boy, do we have great news for you. Escape the city in one of Zipcar's many mountain-ready vehicles. Plus, get $30 back in free driving credit when you tweet a selfie on the slopes at Zipcar BC. Zipcar, wheels when you want them. very best in bluegrass music, plus classic country, Cajun, rockabilly, western swing, and whatever jumps off the shelves at us. Tune in every Tuesday morning at 6.30 for Pacific Pacific Pickin' with your host, Arthur Berman. And I'm Andrea. The lovely Andrea, who will also provide you with our concert calendar and every bit of news and information you can possibly need. And as if that wasn't enough, there's a warm-up show at 6, featuring a little bit of a wider variety of roots and branches of bluegrass music. So tune in each morning, 6 for the warm-up show, 6.30 for the main show, Pacific Pickin' on CITR 101.9 in Vancouver. Um, so that was our interview with Barbara Trinos. Um, thank you so much again, Barbara, um, for letting us interview you. It was awesome. Um, doing some really awesome work at VIF right now, hosting the Black History Month series, um, at the Van City Theater. Upcoming screenings for that are, um, I Am Not Your Negro, which is actually tonight, February 24th at 7.45, um, followed by February 25th. Um, 7.30, February 27th at 1 p.m. Um, and then also on February 27th at 6 p.m. is a free screening of Soul on Ice. You can find all of this information um, 
on their website. If you just Google Black History Month VIF, um, I'm not going to read out all the times. Uh, the most important one is, I would say, tonight, um, 7.45 at Span City Theater, and then Soul on Ice, um, February 27th at 6.30 p.m. at Span City Theater. Barbara also spoke a lot about her event, Afro Hair Savoir Fair, um, which is kind of like a black hair workshop um, hosted on Granville Island. Um, it already did happen on February 19th, so just about a week ago, which is sad um, for the listeners who were not able to make it, but I do think that it is important to kind of showcase the event. It will be happening again next year. It's an annual event on Greville Island in a series called Winterruption. So yeah, um, keep an eye out for that. Really interesting, really lovely. I'm just going to play myself out with Witch Prophet's Pearly Gates um, off of her EP HB. HPB, sorry. Um, Witch Prophet is a hip-hop artist out of Toronto. Really interesting, really, really wacky and cool. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening today. Um, thank you again, Barbara, for um, participating, I guess. Thank you, listeners, for pretending to care about my Oscar picks. <laughs> um, thank you, Dama, for being you. <laughs> this whole episode is just basically an ode to Dama. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm just going to play, play us out, Pearly Gates. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to CITR 101.9 FM. I'm Dora with The Real World. Coming up next, we have Dave Radio with Radio Dave, a classic program. So yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Shout out to Donald Glover. Are you interested in indigenous issues? Are you down with decolonization? Do you have something to say? Or have a topic to share? We have just the thing. Join UBC's first ever indigenous radio collective. We're a team of indigenous and non-indigenous people. I'm Niska from my mother. From the Taltan Territory. I'm a settler from Washington State. I'm from the Qualcomm and Musqueam First Nations. I am Quechua Indigenous from Saraguro, Ecuador. We broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded land of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Whatever you want to talk about, we're into it. Everyone is welcome, no experience necessary. Unceded Airwaves airs every Tuesday from 11.30 to 1 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM or at CITR.ca. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Unceded Airwaves. We want to hear your story. is putting on another all-ages show with Nick Fit, the Rambling Derelicts, Mirepoix, and Skumlade. Come to the Russian Hall to see this sweet show and pick up pieces by local visual artists. 
It's March 4th, starting at 7, and everyone's welcome. As a station, we believe in playing content with artistic and cultural merit, and sometimes that category includes material which can be construed as offensive. For those who have children nearby or are sensitive to provocative material, the following broadcast may have strong language, themes, or be otherwise objectionable.